up. Been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. You know I'm right. Episode 43 right here in the zone with Nick Durst and Joe Calabrese and Joe. Since the last time we spoke, it was it's just been crazy stuff going on in sports, particularly Monday night and everything, just stuff happening left and right. And we'll start with, I guess, the, the big news on Monday, which seems to be something that should have been done maybe three years ago. That is that the Texans fired their general manager and head coach, Bill O'Brien. Now the Texans are 0-4 after losing to the Vikings, who finally got their first one in the season. And Joe, you thought it was going to be Adam Gaze as the first head coach fired. I think the next head coach fired is going to be Quinn with the Falcons, who could lose again. Uh, Adam Gaze might be here for uh, quite some time for the rest of the season, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, that's probably the worst case scenario that I could ever imagine. Uh, but yeah, so when it comes to Bill O'Brien, obviously, uh, he had success with the Texans. I believe Houston has won four of the last five AFC South division championships. So in terms of, in terms of consistency, uh, he's been good. Obviously they did not have Deshaun Watson when he first got there. They drafted Watson and, to be honest, I've, that team has had talent throughout the years. They never quite broke through to get to the AFC Championship game. Could never quite get past teams like the Patriots or the Chiefs. Obviously, those teams have much better head coaches, better quarterback play. Uh, the Texans went up 24 nothing in the playoff game last year. Obviously, they uh, collapsed all in the first half, and the Chiefs rallied. Uh, down 10 points in, in all three of their playoff wins, including the Super Bowl, right? So that that was just something that was, you know, ridiculous, you know, historical type of performance that's not going to be replicated again. But when it comes to Bill O'Brien, uh, in terms of him as a head coach, uh, I would say he's probably somewhere between average and good. I wouldn't call, necessarily call him a good head coach. I don't think there are many good head coaches in the NFL. There's probably only really 10 to 12 of them, you know, that constitutes maybe uh, one third of the league. But uh, during his tenure, uh, he obviously started grabbing a little more power, a little more power, a little more power, uh, started as the head coach, obviously weaseled his way into becoming the general manager because that organization did not, did not have a general manager for a period of he, time. He there. wanted to be, be, he wanted to be Bill Belichick. And right, there's only, right. there's only one Bill Belichick. There is only one Bill Belichick. Now, Granted, of all the, the coaches, I believe, who have studied under Bill Belichick and who have gone elsewhere and had jobs, I think Bill O'Brien has easily had the most success because he was at Penn State and he did a really, really good job at Penn State given he was in just totally uh, what some people would call just a, an unnavigable uh, navigable situation. Uh, he did really good there. Obviously, he got the Texans job. When, you know, you if you win four division championships in five years, 
you know, regardless of how the postseason stuff pans out, it's super hard to win in playoffs in, in any sport. So right. would I call his tenure with the Texans a success? Yes and no. Uh, but again, you know, when you try to grab that power, obviously you hit the nail on the head. There's only one Bill Belichick. Uh, in most cases, in most sports, when your head coach or your general manager is trying to pull double duty and do the, the two things at once, it never, ever works out. And obviously he wanted basically full autonomy of the organization. Uh, I believe, although he wasn't the full-time play caller, I believe kind of like what we saw with Mike McCarthy in Green Bay, I believe he had had always wanted the, the role of, of having the, the, the play calling under his belt too. So again, you can't be the play caller, the head coach, and the general manager. It just doesn't work like that. So granted, the Texans' schedule to start the season was – pretty difficult they played four good teams four teams that may and ultimately end up making the playoffs but uh i think it was the right decision at the right time uh i do think that bill o'brien will eventually be given one more opportunity to be a head coach in this league well uh, i i, I could tell you right now where he's going to be coaching next year <laughs> don't you, say you, you know it. Say it. you want to say it don't say, do, it. We'll say, don't say it jay E-T-S, no. Jets, Jets, Jets. All right. uh, that's we where want, he's going. They're gonna, they want the guy with the most experience who has a winning record, and that's Bill O'Brien. And here's – okay, so to be fair, I, I just kind of like over-exaggerated there a little bit. I do think that he would be handily an upgrade on Adam Gase. Uh, would I want him as my first choice? No. There are other guys out there who I think are more deserving of a first-time opportunity, guys like Eric Bieniemy in, in Kansas City. Uh, but again, you can make the argument that maybe his success is more to do with having Mahomes and Andy Reid, and, and maybe he's not really like ready to, to be a head coach. Uh, but what I will say is that if they do move on from Adam Gase, right, which is very, very likely, it's in- increasingly likely, uh, I don't know if they're going to fire him in season, but if they move on from Adam Gase and there's a crop of coaches available and a guy like Bienemy or somebody else is not necessarily available to the Jets first right off the bat, then I would not necessarily mind Bill O'Brien coming in here because, like I said, I don't think he's a bad coach. I think he's a really solid coach. Uh, it worries me. It worries me, right, uh, that he was not able to – at least break through once and maybe get to like one AFC championship game, uh, you know, with the, with the pieces that he had there, obviously he had talent, but again, I think he's a solid coach. I think he's just, it, it got to the point where he was trying to grab too many responsibilities, too many duties. Then it got to the point where he was in way over his head. Again, you hit the nail on the head. You know, I don't want to keep reiterating it. He's there's no, Bill, there's only one bill Belichick. Obviously he's not really that comparable as a coach. Sure, I'm, I, I think he really de- he deserves another shot. Here's the thing you got to know about Brian. He had Brian Hoyer playing quarterback in the 2017 playoffs, and Hoyer was so bad he had to put J.J. Watt in that quarterback in the goal line. <laughs> so, and then Belichick, I don't know what was going on. He starts Hoyer on Monday Night Football. I don't. I was so ill-advised. He stinks. He's. I think he's worse than Sam Donald and Dana Jones. Well, I mean, Sam, uh, Sam Jones, that's funny. Uh, I mean, Sam Darnold, at least Sam Darnold and Daniel Jones, both guys at least have some level of talent. Uh, I think, again, that their situations are not the greatest. 
I think in order to really fully evaluate the, those guys, you, you need to see some improvement overall with the rest of the rosters. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I do think that DJ gets next year. I think time is starting to run out for Sam a little bit simply because obviously. How about, how about the Giants? Have... The Giants are in a good spot. Right now the Giants are in first place, a target of first place for Trevor Lawrence. And they're 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 about a, they're about a game out of first place to win the NFC East, so yeah, not the worst spot to be in, right, Jeff? They should have beat no. the Rams, they should have beat the Bears, but should has mean nothing in the NFL. Four. nothing in the NFL. I will say though, I told you this, we you know, I, I tell you this, I've been telling you this for at least two or three weeks now. Uh, the Giants' defense this season top four in the NFL. Good. They have played good. They have done their job. Uh, I think the biggest problem, though, is that the the, the offensive line. Uh, so Andrew Thomas played well the first couple of weeks. Did not play great last week, but obviously when you're going against Aaron Donald, nobody's going to look good. Uh, to me, the biggest issue is I think Will Hernandez is not as good as people think he he was going to be. What I think about he's Evan Ingram? Average, average. What's up? What about Evan Ingram? Oh, he stinks. He's got stone hands. Uh, but I think because they they just they ha- they have problems. Staying on the field, they can't sustain drives because they can't get those drives going. They have no right tackle. They have no center. And again, Will Hernandez, uh, I, I don't think he's as good as people thought he was going to be. I think a lot of people thought he would be a really good guard. It's just kind of been like an average to kind of subpar uh, offensive lineman. So in reality, they have a, a rookie left tackle, and then there's only really one good offensive lineman on that unit, who's Kevin Zeitler, right? So. Uh, if you're the Giants, I think you need to go the route that the Cowboys did a couple of years ago, where you need to basically devote your next two drafts uh, to take offensive linemen really, really high. Uh, and it doesn't matter if Daniel Jones is the quarterback or not, because even if you end up moving on from him next year or the year after, uh, you're going to need to give whoever that player is uh, the chance to succeed. And if, if that happens, then you need to give that guy an offensive line. I think the wide receivers... Uh, even though Golden Tate is probably coming up near the end, he hasn't really been good this season. I think Shepard's solid. I think Darius Slayton's solid. I think Saquon's a really good, you know, dynamic weapon in the backfield. So uh, the defense, again, I told you, has played well. The Giants, they have some ingredients there. Like I said, the defense has played well. Look, They've been in these games. When you, go, when you go two games in a row without scoring a touchdown, very problematic. So Grant Gonneau is definitely your bet for fantasy football. Guys get all the points for the Giants. <laughs> Just, just, it's just atrocious though the, the way they, the way they, uh, they've been playing, and you know, the Dave Gettleman era needs to come to an end because no one has had a worse record as a general manager in New York Giants history than Dave Gettleman. So that's going to be, you know, to, to, it's going to be interesting to see how the season plays out. Uh, I will give you for Bill O'Brien. You ready for this? Yep. The Detroit Lions take it over for Patricia. Yes. I could see it happen. Uh, if Gettleman's gone, is Joe Judge gone too, Joe? I don't think so. They're gonna uh, just bring that new like GM said, and I say, "Here's your coach." That never works. I mean, look at the Jets. I know they did it. With, they did it. With, they did it. They do it constantly. I think you have to give your GM. If you're gonna hire a new GM, then you have to hire a new head coach. And and in this case with Judge, again, it's like I said, the defense. What they've done on that side of the ball. I mean, granted, like I like you know they're zero and four, but I think. With the way the defense has performed and kind of been focused and in the game and giving this these guys a chance to actually win the game, you know, to me that's promising. All right, you can't uh, say he's clueless like Pat Shermer, who was down no, on I, arrival. Like I, I don't think he's clueless. I just think it's a talent issue. 
I do think they have talent, but I think they need more. You got you got to like his demeanor better than Ben McAdoo. Uh, yes. And of course, you know, they, they, you know where they can really use at, on offense. Odell Beckham Jr. guy looking great, leading, leading the Browns to victory against you the Cowboys. Well, that, that on the uh, the Sunday live stream, you knew he was going to have a good game, and he didn't just have a good game; he had a great game. He basically won them that game in Dallas. Huge fifty yard rushing touchdown as well. You see him; you saw him with the Giants. He was he was probably their best passer too. He's throwing a bunch of touchdown passes as well. Uh, you know, it, it's just very sad with the Giants, but. You know, let's let's move on to some more exciting news, which is that ESPN is interested in getting the NHL back. Finally, should have never left. Uh, nothing like ESPN hockey, and you got Gary Thorne, who's the best in the business at play-by-play. Sorry, Doc Emmerich, uh, but I think I think NHL would be smart, Joe, just split the packages. Just right. like just like the NBA does with TNT and ESPN, I agree. Uh, NHL probably uh, NBC would probably have a fit, uh, but you know, you could have their Wednesday night games. They could have those those weekend games, uh, and then give ESPN some weeknight games, and then you split the conference finals. And then I would guess I would guess that uh, NBC would just look at the finals, and I think right. it would just. I think I think if ESPN is interested and the NHL turns them down, that's not a good move on the NHL's behalf for exposure. Well, so we, you have to think about this logically. Uh, years ago when the NHL was coming off the lockout, it was really incredibly hard to get that TV deal. Uh, and outdoor, they went to the Outdoor Life Network. Remember that? Uh, right, which was, right, which was the, 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 the NBC, Comcast. You know, that was really the only network and organization that was able to willingly take on the NHL. And and not only did they take on the NHL, but they stuck with the NHL through thick and thin. And, I mean, we've seen the ratings for all these these sporting events kind of go down right now in this month. And, and I think it's just the nature of the beast of what's happening this year with, like, COVID and everything. Obviously, a lot of these events, which are usually scheduled in May and June, like the, the, the Triple Crown races, the NBA Finals, yep. the Stanley Cup Final, uh, a lot of these events were, were significantly down in ratings this year, but... Heading into this year, most of these these sports were, were were tremendously on the rise, and that includes the NHL, which last year their numbers were among you know some of the best that they've done in, in a really really long time. So, right off the bat, uh, you have to take into account how tremendous the NA, the NBC deal has been for the NHL. They have stuck with this product through thick and thin. Absolutely, they've done an, an, an absolutely excellent job marketing. So for me, listen, Gary Bettman. The first, the first half of his tenure was very much maligned. There were a lot of bumpy obstacles, a lot of hurdles, a lot of ups and downs. I believe over the last 10 years, Bettman has done a significant job and is one of the better commissioners in all of sports. I think him uh, and Adam Silver in particular over the past five years have done a tremendous job with their products. I think he's almost fully redeemed himself. You know, I don't think he's ever going to quite fully redeem himself. You know, given the circumstances that they lost an entire season due to the lockout, uh, so that's that's just something I don't know if you're, you'll ever be able to fully recover from. But that said, I think Bettman, all of the, the, the decisions that he has done, all of the ways that he has expanded his game, you know, implementing all of these outdoor games and the Winter Classic, which have been huge financial successes for the league. Obviously, the salary cap has gone up. Uh, they've they've done something which was pretty revolutionary, which was. They, uh, they were one of the first leagues to obviously move the draft into different locations. 
Uh, and that obviously gives fans a much more interactive experience, you know, for their teams. Uh, so all of these little changes that he's made, uh, and that also includes, you know, I, I have to always mention this. Gary Bettman had a vision for expanding hockey well into the southern markets. And for the for the, about 10 years or so, uh, that plan was kind of a little bit on ice. Uh, it was a very dicey. Not but ice, this nice. year, the last two years... I think you have seen this vision come to fruition. With the way the Carolina Hurricanes played last year, they made the Eastern Conference Finals. There was so much passion. Basically, that fan base was totally reignited. Uh, And three of the four teams that were in the the Conference Finals this year, the Dallas Stars, the Vegas Golden Knights, and the Tampa Bay Lightning, were all Southern market teams. You've seen other markets like the Nashville Predators, uh, and even last year with St. Louis, you know, they're more Midwest, but again, they're not really quite a traditional Northern market, even uh, though they're, a, a how about, how about Las Vegas? I, I mentioned Vegas. They were in the conference finals this year. Uh, you've seen Cal, you've seen California, uh, over the last 10 to 15 years with San Jose, Anaheim, Los Angeles. Uh, you're seeing more youth and kids play hockey in Florida, in Texas and California than you've ever seen before. So Austin Matthews, Arizona. If the Coyotes aren't in Arizona, Austin Matthews never plays hockey. Right, that is correct. Uh, so, despite the the Coyotes are really the only team of all the the, the, the bunches that we've mentioned uh, that are really, uh, I wouldn't say they're in dire financial financial straits, but they're really the one organization that really it really hasn't come together to. But everything else that I have mentioned that has been a part of Gary Bettman's vision, right? So. To bring this back full circle, basically every decision that he's made in the last 10 to 15 years has financially benefited the NHL, and he's done a tremendous job, right? So if you're looking at this from a pure financial perspective, the fact that ESPN really wants to get back in on the NHL shows me that they have an understanding that, okay, there's a void in our product. Uh, there's a there's a people that we are looking to bring back to ESPN and ABC uh, that we we haven't had that we want again, right? So you again, you hit the nail on the head. Major League Baseball does this right with the playoffs. Now they have uh, they have their set of playoff games, you know, spread out through ESPN, through you know Fox and Fox Sports One, and through TBS. Uh, TB- I, I still quick aside. TBS for baseball is just I don't like it. I, I wish they would have got rid of that, but you know, continue on, Joe. Well, I mean, I had Ron Darling calling a Yankees playoff game last night, which was super great. So I'm totally okay with that. Uh, obviously, Gary Cohen, Ron Darling, the, the Mets broadcast, one of the best in the business. That I will say. They are tremendous and just a, an absolute joy and pleasant to listen to. Uh, but, again, let's 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 wrap this up. Uh, the NBA does this with ESPN, ABC, and, and TNT. Uh, I think it just makes total NFL is all over the place, so yeah, it just right. it just makes total sense. Uh, a friend of our friends of the show, Steve Levy, would be super excited. He's going to be doing Monday Night Football and NHL. John Buchagross would be pumped. Linda Cohn is sure doing the crease, and you know what ESPN has that a lot of places don't have. They got Barry Melrose, so that's right. <laughs> I, I think uh, I think it would be a, a good match there, and uh, I think the NHL deals up after next season. And it'll be something to certainly monitor, and I think it would bring a lot of excitement to hear that old ESPN NHL jingle, which is one of the one of the best there is. Moving on to wrestling, and before we get to retribution here, 
Glow, gorgeous ladies of wrestling on Netflix, Joe. That's upsetting. I season heard. four yeah. canceled. There's yeah. going to be the last season, but they canceled it on due to COVID. That sucks because COVID-19 is still around, but that doesn't mean the Army ROTC programs are not there for you. Earn scholarships for school and pursue the career you want. The leadership developing Army ROTC classes will give any full-time student the focus and resources that can open doors down the road. Start sharpening the skills that will carve out your future today. Learn how at GoArmy.com ROTC. Army ROTC, now accepting college scholarship applications. Visit GoArmy.com slash money for college. I enjoyed that show. I thought it was great. I wanted to see how they wrapped it up. And it kind of just ends here on a cliffhanger, as, as do many television shows. But I guess that's show business show, isn't it? Yeah, I think the show does a really great job of capturing, you know, what, uh, you know, it's a really accurate, uh, I think, representation of of the world of, of, of like pro wrestling and like, you know, women in, in pro wrestling. Uh, and obviously, I love Allison Bray. You know, I was a huge fan of Community. Uh, I think she's really, really a uh, tremendous actress. Uh, so yeah, I, I know a lot. Of, I know a lot of my friends watch Glow. Uh, it was one of the more popular shows on Netflix. Obviously, Netflix now just continuously churning out content left and right. But yeah, very very sad. Uh, obviously, everything regarding that that and shooting and being the, the cancellations are, are due to COVID and stuff. So you know, you just gotta hope that you gotta hope that we're we're somewhere close to. We're not near the end, but you have to hope that we're somewhere close to approaching the end. You know. Uh, everything that's happening in the world. It's just, it's been crazy. You know, this is, at least we got sports back, right? You know? Right. Uh, how about the NBA Finals ratings tanking? I'm not surprised. No, I'm not surprised. I think it's a combination of a lot of people just feeling apathetic to everything, especially with sports. Like I, like I mentioned at the top of the show, you know, it's just not the NBA Finals. The Stanley Cup Final was down 60%. Uh, the, all the, the the triple crown races, the Kentucky Derby was down. The Preakness was way down. Uh, I believe the U.S. Open for golf was down, and right. I believe uh, the, uh, the the tennis major. Oh, I'm sorry, the U.S. Open right there, and then whatever the last uh, golf major right. was. All of those races. I think were the NFL down. first game of the season on NBC was down as well. Uh, it's just, it's just but at the, I believe the NFL ratings have actually have picked up again and are pretty right. much right on par with with what they expect. So right. I mean, uh, it's NFL, ha- NFL, you know, they're they're always going to be at the top regardless of what their number is. Uh, right. At you know whether it's a high number or low number, they're still not going to number one. The other show that's always going to be number one regardless of the the actual rating is Raw. WWE Raw, of course. And they just continue to be the top-rated show on cable outside of Monday Night Football every week. And it's really not a surprise, Joe, because you think Vince McMahon is going to screw up? No chance in hell. No chance in hell. No chance! (laughs) So, of course, the big news coming out of Raw is that Retribution, T-Bar, and Slapjack, and the crew, they're, they're (laughs) they're being led... By the hacker, formerly known as Mustafa Ali, now just Ali. I don't know where they're going with that show, but it's it could be intriguing. I I said this to you before we started. Uh, this is one of those things where it's just so unexpected, and what's what's ironic is it's so wild 
the first time I heard it, I was like, what? Uh, because I didn't watch the segment. Like, I didn't see the reveal until uh, Ali started, you know, fighting everybody. My friend texted me and he goes, wait, Ali's leading retribution. And obviously, I immediately switched from the Yankees game to, to Raw again. And then I saw everything transpire and I was like, wait a minute. What the heck? But what I will say is it was so out there that it's not it wasn't necessarily out there in a really in a bad way you know what i mean like sometimes when when you when you have things that legitimately shock you and things that are unexpected uh i think as wrestling fans we've come uh, so accustomed to reading online reports uh that give us like precursor or like spoilers uh of what immediately is to come and i don't think that there are moments i don't think there are a lot of moments anymore that really truthfully surprise us you know what i mean and I think that the WWE, a couple, the last couple of months, uh, I think they've had to think on their toes a little bit with everything going on in the world. And I do think that they've done a really good job in giving us a lot of surprises. I think Roman Reigns, the way he's been handled, I think he's tremendous. I think he's the best thing in the company right now. Tribal uh, Chief. And obviously nobody ever saw that coming. Nobody ever thought he would really turn heel. That was a really legitimate surprise. So I think in, the, in terms of Ali... If they find some way to circle this all back uh, to, to the hacker angle that they were doing, you know, regardless, I think it's very intriguing. I, I, again, I don't like it. I don't dislike it. I have to see where it goes first before I really have a, a really gra- grasp on how I feel about it. But uh, I think that they really, for a while, they have wanted to push Ali. Now, if you remember before WrestleMania last year, before Kofi Mania, everything was going oh, that's on. This year. Last year, uh, yeah. No, I was. I, what I was bringing up is that before uh, Kofi ended up getting himself into the WWE Championship scene with Daniel Bryan last year, going into WrestleMania, it was actually Ali who was getting that that little push on SmackDown uh, when Daniel Bryan right. was the champion. He, so they have hurt. had. So Kofi they have had plans. Him. Right. They have had plans to push Ali now for at least a year and a half to two years, and I don't think the timing has ever been right. Uh, they've tried to do it as a face. This is intriguing now because obviously he's going to be a heel with retribution and all this. Uh, they very clearly want to push him, right? And I think he's talented. Uh, I don't, is he good on the mic? I wouldn't necessarily, I don't think he's good on the mic. I think he's got the ability to grow on the mic. I think this will give him the opportunity to do so. I think in the ring, he's very, very talented. So again, we'll see where it goes. I think it was a legitimate surprise, not in the bad way. I think it was a legitimate surprise in the good way. And from and everything that I've seen on Twitter and Instagram and Reddit and everything on social media, a lot of people were really happy with this decision because a lot of people want to see him in the spotlight. So kudos to WWE. Uh, I think it's again, it's it's you, you're taking a little bit of a risk here. Uh, I said that Retribution has absolutely needed a leader, and if they didn't have a leader, then they were going to be useless and they were going to be fodder, and nobody was going to care about them. Now I think people are like, okay, now I'm in on Retribution. You have my attention. Now we'll see where it goes. Yeah, we all thought. You, I mean, a lot of people thought it was going to be the Miz. I think that was just trying to play, trying to play with people because I mean, Miz is a natural leader of groups, and he always does a great right, job. Yes. But my question yeah. is like, is is Retribution eligible for the draft here? I mean, I guess they're under contract, so they are. So we're literally going to be on Raw or SmackDown. Uh, you know, that they obviously have a few with the Hurt business, but there's only so far that can go. So maybe they look to split them up. So 
I think we're going to have to do a, a draft episode coming up, Joe, and see what we think is going to happen. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to be exempt for the draft, but at this point, I can't see them moving because at the very beginning, for that first month or so, they were going back and forth between Raw and SmackDown. And now, for the last couple of weeks, they've just not really cared about SmackDown whatsoever. They've been kind of exclusive to Raw. Uh, I think they've been feuding with the Hurt Business. What happened to Cedric Alexander? I don't know. It was strange. I I can't give you an answer for that. Must have COVID. Yeah, I was thinking about that. It's very, same very thing. With, same thing with that's the reason why Ronda Rousey, I think, has been uh, put aside yeah. here. Two people in the area, right? Uh, also, in all this, this is going to make the hurt business faces, Ugh. which I like. I mean, I don't Probably like. I think I think MVP is a horrendous face, but everybody else definitely makes sense. Well, I mean, he's again. It's just like by association. Right. I think I think I can get behind a group. Uh, like the face business being like a really so, tough face group. So you think we're having? Do you think we're gonna have a Survivor Series? Uh, it's gonna be Hurt Business taking on Retribution, and right. maybe Hurt Business has to add one more person, and they get Apollo Cruz to help them just for that. I don't know. Like, yeah, I think I, that's I, that, I could totally see that happening. That I think that makes all the sense in the world. See, that kind of is a big letdown from where Retribution started because they were just going after everybody. So it would have been better to have like a full roster. Um, right. But yeah, I think I think we're headed towards a Hurt Business versus Retribution Survivor Series traditional match. And yeah. on, the, on the SmackDown side of things, I think we're going to be seeing too soon. I think Hell in a Cell, we're going to see Sasha versus Bailey. I think they should have hold, held off for a little longer on that. Yeah. Uh, they're in a catch-22 because they have such a long period of time still between major events like Survivor Series, the Royal Rumble, and obviously heading into WrestleMania next oh. year. Survivor so Series this... is next month. So could have waited another month. But I think this, wait this, is, month, this is another they... instance where it just, hurt. It just is... hurt by not having any uh, fans in the stands. Yeah, that that too. But again, they're in a catch twenty two. It's like, do you strike while the iron is hot, or do you really kind of continue to to drag it on and drag it on? And obviously, we know how you know the attention span of fans is very insignificant. You know, a lot of people are like, "What have you done for me lately?" So if they continue to carry on that Sasha and Bailey and they drag it on, a lot of people would be like, "Ugh," they'd be groaning that they're you know extending it. I see, I see both sides to it. Personally speaking. I would have kept it going. I would have kept Sasha on the shelf. But, again, I'm happy that they're doing it now. I think that these two are, are, are dynamite together, amazing chemistry. Uh, I'm ready to have a, a really big Sasha Banks you know, championship run. Uh, we've had Charlotte have an amazing run, a couple really nice, amazing long runs. Becky had an amazing long run. Bailey has had an amazing long run. Uh, Sasha's had some really great moments, but the one thing that she really hasn't had uh, and you could kind of lump these two together as a really nice long title reign and a big WrestleMania win. So I think it's it's her turn. I think it's her time. Uh, let's let's hope for the best. Oh, here. so Joe, uh, would you would you say it's boss time? It's boss time. I mean, that's so irritating. I love her, but that irritates the, the crap out of me. Not gonna lie. What do you think, Joe? Cole to Raw in the draft. You texted me this last night, and my response was Garrett Cole or Adam Cole, and you were like, "No, Michael Cole." I think it's happening. I think Cole's going back to Raw. 
No, I and, agree. I think Cole's going to Raw, and I think Tom Phillips is going to SmackDown. And we'll see where and I uh, also see, else is I see, could see Samoa Joe going to SmackDown, too. I think Samoa Joe needs to um, come out from the announce table and put a, a Kimura lock or some, or some or put somebody to sleep and become WWE champion. Right. And, and it's going to be interesting to see how the Universal title becomes brought again when Roman goes to Raw. Uh, but we're going to do that. We'll, we'll of course, do it. We're going to do a, sh- uh, a draft preview show. Uh, Joe, real quick, MLB playoffs underway. And do you have any difficulty? I mean, obviously, you're watching the games. You're working them. But any difficulty, like, really getting into this playoffs uh, now that, you know, we're, we're in the second round. Usually, it's, you know, the first round. There's the juice. And it's just been so much baseball already. But I just want to know your thoughts on this current you know, playoff format without getting you in too much trouble. And do you think it's it's no, here to I, stay with these no, 16 I could, teams? I could definitely speak on this. Uh, obviously, you know, don't want to talk too much on it. But uh, so what, what separates the baseball playoff structure from everybody else is that it's pretty prestigious, right? You know, so for years and years and years, it was just the eight teams with the one wild card. Uh, I think that the wild card game was a really great addition because it, it gives another organization the opportunity to kind of be in it at the very end. So now that I've seen the first round with the extra series play out, right, and now that we're at the divisional series portion of this, I don't necessarily hate it because I don't like the I, – I think one one-game playoff is okay for baseball, uh, but the sudden death structure – Works better for other sports like the NFL than it does for baseball. Baseball, totally relying on series. Mm-hmm. My friend had a really great suggestion. He said the way it is now, 16 teams is too much. Right off the bat, knock one extra team uh, out of the playoffs, right? And his idea was to have the American League winner, regular season winner, and the National League winner, those teams get a bye, right? Yep. And then you do the wild card series with the six remaining teams, right? So the other two divi- divisional winners get in. The, the second place teams in each division all automatically get a playoff berth. And then he said, if you want to do one wild card, you do one wild card. And if you want to keep the wild card game to determine the final playoff team, you could do that too. But the first team gets a bye. You have three three game wild card series. And then for the divisional series, you get back to those four teams. So I don't think that's a bad alternative. Uh, what I will say is yes, we need. We need the, the the playoff structure needs to be prestigious to a certain extent, but I do think there's value in adding playoff games for teams because obviously it's it's a big money maker for the owners, and I do think that a lot of what we see now in baseball we be it's become so polarized. There are a lot of 100 win teams. There are a lot of teams that are really out of it by the time late July rolls around. I think. I wouldn't necessarily expand to 16 teams because, again, it's a lot. You know, you don't want half the league making the playoffs. It right. dilutes the quality of the playoff teams. But for the for purposes of keeping your teams, uh, for purposes for keeping your fan bases interested well into August and September and not really, you know, falling out of it and becoming disinterested, I think it does make sense. You know, because there are a lot of fan bases out there, especially teams like the Pirates who are kind of out of it by, you know, the time August rolls around. You know, we see this, you know, we saw this for a while, you know, with the Padres until recently. Uh, 
I mean, you can name a lot of other teams you know, right off the top, like Seattle is another team. They just kind of been in no man's land for almost twenty years now. Right. I think longest playoff sense. drought in MLB is the Seattle Mariners, two thousand one, the last time they made the playoffs. Yeah, and and again, you know, I again, I don't want you know just handing out golden tickets to everybody because I don't think that's the solution no. either. I mean, but, the thing is though, like, does it really matter? Because Steve Cohen's about to be owner, and the Mets are going to be the World Series <laughs> champions every year. <laughs> uh, look, I'll say this, Joe. Marlins in five over the Braves. They never lost a playoff series. We'll see if they, they lose the NLCS. But the Marlins, if it was a regular year, they were not getting the playoffs. But crazy year, 16-team playoff, they're in. So if they end up going to the World Series and winning, I think they're going to say make a strong point to keep the 16-team playoff. I think they're going to make a significant case to keep it, too. Uh, and it's like I said, I'm okay with expanding. I just think 16, like you said, dil- dilutes much. it dilutes the regular season. And if you're no, going to do 16 teams, you got uh, why are we playing 162? I agree. I agree with that. If you're going to add playoff games and knock uh, knock some games off the regular season schedule, that I think makes sense. Uh, I don't know if the owners are necessarily going to go for that, so long as it's a an even swap. You know, if you if you if they're you have the opportunity to make that money up with the playoff games to offset the revenue loss for the games that they take away during the regular season. Right. You know, but I agree with you. I think it, I think ultimately it makes sense. And I think what the, what they did this year on the fly, I think it opened up a conversation that they probably needed to have. Now, granted, again, like I said, the wild card game has been an absolute tremendous addition. How many dud wild card games have we had? Not many. Most of them have been pretty good since right. it, it started. I mean, the worst uh, one was the, the NL wild card game in 2016. But other than that, uh, you know, the, re- the results of them were all tremendous. And and that was a really great game between Syndergaard and Bumgarner, one yes. of the, the, the better pitcher duels of all the wild card games. But again, it's like I said, ultimately what you what you want to do here is you want to you want to get the fans invested in their teams. You want the your fans invested in your teams through August and September, which I think the way the playoffs are now it's become a tale of two halves, right? And, and I'm not talking about two halves of the season. I'm saying one half of all of all 30 teams just seems like they're in it, and then the other half doesn't. They just never seem like they're they're gonna have any hope to be in it, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, in a way, I think at yeah, least but look, adding, you're, get, you're gonna be getting teams in that are under 500, and it's just right. I mean, look at the Brewers. They they were not over 500 one game one. One game this whole season, and they made the playoffs, and, and they got home right away. Yeah, no, they, I think there are, are definitely cases to be made for both sides of this, uh, but I do think there is a solution out there, and I think the solution uh, may not necessarily be with what they ultimately agreed on this year, simply because I think what they did this year was was obviously right. keeping COVID. And don't forget that the, the CBA, the CBA is coming up, so a lot right. of things are going to change after next season. Yes, and I think the the playoff format will definitely be on the table. Playoffs, um, DH, roster size, and service time, like manipulating service time where they used to always, like the Chris Bryant thing, oh, he's going to stay in the Myers for for two and a half weeks, and then we're going to call him up so we can call him for an extra season. You know, he filed that grievance. uh, And, you know, how about the Cubs just getting bounced out by the Marlins? Uh, David Ross, maybe, maybe not the right guy for the job. The American League Central and the National League Central, ugh, the Cubs, the Reds, the Cardinals, the Twins, the White Sox, and the Indians. Ugh, 
All losers. Not one. Not one of those teams advanced. Watch out for the Astros. Yeah. Right. All right. That's gonna do it for. They're gonna. That's gonna do it for this episode of You Know I'm Right, right here in the Zone. For Joe Calabrese, I'm Nick Durst. Thank you for listening. And this has been You Know I'm Right. COVID-19 is still around, but that doesn't mean the Army ROTC programs are not there for you. Earn scholarships for school and pursue the career you want. The leadership developing Army ROTC classes will give any full-time student the focus and resources that can open doors down the road. Start sharpening the skills that will carve out your future today. Learn how at GoArmy.com ROTC. Army ROTC, now accepting college scholarship applications. Visit GoArmy.com money for college.